everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. So welcome to the show, Eugene. Thank you, thank you. I feel privileged to be here. So um, just to give the listeners a bit of context, I reached out to Eugene about four weeks ago, like about a month or two ago, and I just hit you up, and I didn't expect you to even see it, let alone reply to it. But anyway, you you, you replied, and now you've not only accepted my request to be on my podcast, but you've also invited me to your gym. So we're currently sitting in the gym. So to be here, thank you again, and we're just going to get through a few questions have some fun and go from there. Sure, sounds good. Love your work. What's your story? What's your background? And tell us about the Gambo method. Right. Um, so I'm a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Like people ask me, if I had to have an elevator pitch, as unimpressive as it sounds, I say I'm a personal trainer. Yeah. That's what I do. It's what I'm, it's what I'm trained in. It's what I've been doing since um, 2008, 2009. And I've just continued to do that. And then now I don't do it in a gym to one-on-one people. I do it online to mm. you know 30 40 odd thousand people yeah and that's what gambo room method provides and that kind of service um but in essence i don't like to um spin myself as something that i'm not say look i'm a trainer i'm a coach i'm someone who works with a lot of people mm. in whatever capacity they need to help them solve whatever problems they have with training or nutrition or their mindset their lifestyle to help them hopefully live their best life sure um, not that i know what's good for them yeah but with respect to training at least like sure. this is how we can get the most out of whatever your goals are yep um so for many years i was working just in typical commercial gyms mm-hmm. i was working in um fitness first so i was working in like a recreation gym which is a local chain here yeah and loving that and over time i realized that i was um repeating a lot of the same stories conversations questions with people um, in the gym, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this because I like doing this, but I want to wonder if I can find a way to have a better impact on people. Sure. So in those gyms, I started running seminars. I was like, I'm going to start giving just free workshops. Anybody who wants to come, I'm going to give a, you know, a one-hour fat loss thing, mm-hmm. help dispel some myths or talk about how they can set their diets up, mm-hmm. their training or whatever it is, and um, share the information just to, to the masses. And you know, that was what are we going back at 10, 11 years now. Yeah. I started doing that and that in and of itself um, started to create more reputation for me as an educator or as, an t- as a teacher, just within this commercial gym chains. Yeah. Um, and it started to grow to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm getting a lot of the questions, a lot of the demands, I can't keep up with the demand, mm-hmm. which is a very typical thing for a lot of personal trainers to work with. And I thought, how can I find a way to um, help these people but not waste their time, not waste their money? And then I realized that, ah, oh, the best way, the best thing for me to do now is right now I'm working with a client mm. and they're seeing me a few times a week. But after that first maybe couple of months, they don't need me, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to be a rep counter. I'm a rep counter. I'm a plate loader at sure. that point. I'm there yep. to just for them to chat with if they want to as a psychologist or as a friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. not either of those things. Okay? I'm not your friend, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Get set the boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had to learn that. You know, there were yeah. many clients who I was too friendly with, sure. too chummy with. I was yep. like, oh, it's awkward. You're going to ask me for money now. It's, yeah. You know, that's, That's not right. a story though. <laughs> um, but I realized, ah, oh, the solution to this problem is I need to look at this not as a trainer trading time for money. I need mm-hmm. to look at this and say, you're here for a service. You, you're at point A, you want to get to point B. Mm-hmm. I, and I've been looking at it as being able to achieve this point A to point B via me giving you 
recurring personal training sessions for the rest of your life yeah. until you decide to somehow just ghost me one day. Mm-hmm. That's how most clients ended back then. Sure, it was just sure. like, I'm just going to stop replying to his calls and just leave it. Um, <laughs> or, oh, I've got to move, oh dear. Oh, yeah, yeah, come yeah. Come with me, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so like, what's a better, what's a better out? I need to give people a clear plan. Mm-hmm. Like, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. Here's how we're going to get there. And here's a defined end goal. Yeah. Or here's the roadmap for you to take. That may not have a specific end goal, but here's what we're trying to get, get you towards. And what that looked like was probably front-loading a lot of in-person, face-to-face time. Mm-hmm. But then as they gain more proficiency, you're not meant to hold their hands for the yeah, rest of Yeah, that's so right. Yep. how to do it on their own. But people would still want you for the convenience or they want you for the expertise, for yep. the sounding board, but they don't need that in the same capacity that they did when it was day one. That's right, yeah. It's so like, oh, this now looks like what online coaching now kind of is mm-hmm. or what providing like pack program packages or whatever kind of is now. Yeah. Um, see, back then, um, which doesn't sound like a long time ago, but you know, 10 years ago in the personal training world, it's, it's blown up a lot. Yeah. Online coaching wasn't a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a big a big market. People weren't selling eBooks or programs or anything like that. It was very, very niche back then. And yeah. There were very few people who were really doing it. And um, so for me, it wasn't like, for most people, it was literally just, you have a client, mm-hmm. you work with them until they die. Yep. That's the goal. Pretty much. Just keep having them pay you. Even now, I think a lot of personal trainers still see it like that. It's yeah. Like, well, hang on. You should be looking at it more so what's the value you want to give this person? What's the roadmap? What's their end point? How do you get them there? And mm. how do you make a win win situation? Yeah. Where we can get to a point where they get the results that they want, they get the proficiency that they need to be able to live their life without you. And now I'm scalable because I'm now at a point where I can see this person, mm-hmm. sell this package for three months or whatever, yep. and then have some kind of recurring low end. Um, recurring system for them yeah. in terms of like programming with minimal check-ins or whatever mm-hmm. after they've got that proficiency for convenience um, I can bring in more people I can start servicing more and more people that's it and that's yeah. how I became online coaching which then became more demand international Yeah. which eventually I was like you know what I'm teaching I have international clients they demand me mm. to come see me mm-hmm. um, I will start traveling and that was where um, for several years I was traveling the world and running workshops yeah. where I'd just be teaching about what everybody sees on my Instagram and YouTube. Yep. Everyone sees the same kind of stuff. I was teaching that exact same stuff. Love it. Um, for many years. And the next thing came from that was the demand of, hey, I'm in wherever in the world that mm-hmm. you're not going. Yeah. Um, I know you're coming to England, but you're not coming to South Africa. Yeah. How can I get your work? I was like, okay, I've got to create something for that. Yes. Um, and it was Gambo Method, which is where I... I um, developed this website which mm-hmm. is now an app mm-hmm. which was a um, education platform mm-hmm. to be able to say here is just raw snippets because I'd film everything mm-hmm. always filmed everything since day one yeah. here's a full lecture I did on lower back pain or whatever mm-hmm. come watch it and it's just going to live there yeah. um, as, a, as a service for people and then over time that then grew into people like all of the knowledge yeah. but there wasn't anything in terms of how to implement it Sure. You know, he was like, okay, I know all about how to train the back, mm-hmm. but just give me a fucking program so I can train the back. And exactly. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. So, um, like a lot of people ask this question about how oh, Gamba Ru or how did it come about or mm-hmm. this must have been this big business model. It really wasn't. It was mm-hmm. literally just me saying, what's the current thing that people need from me right now and mm-hmm. how can I do it? Or mm-hmm. how can I do it better? And, sure. Um, you know, chances are, if I look back 10 years ago and I said to myself, what is the best way to make money mm-hmm. in this industry? It might have been what Gambaru is now. Yeah. And I might have had the foresight to have built it five years earlier than I sure. did or something like that. But, you know, that's not how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Live and learn. That's Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like uh, when people ask me about business stuff now, um, 
I give them that advice. I say, look, have some kind of foresight as to what are the problems people need solving from you? Yep. What is the best way you can solve that problem? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's a win-win, where you're not just trading time for money, but maybe there will be time people who do need to do that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That was, I wouldn't have started Gambaru if I didn't have several years of trading time for money, sure. building my skill set to be able to present that and have confidence in that. Exactly. Um, but But yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I really appreciate what you just said and, and what you said about um, helping them set up so that you have minimal check-ins. That's similar with myself. Like as a physio, I'm relatively, I've only been working for less than three years, like up to three years now. So I'm relatively young in the whole physio world. And so, but that's kind of my goal with my patients and clients as well is to see them a couple of times, but then set them up with the skills necessary for them to essentially not come back and see me unless they have a flare-up or unless, you know, my goal is to hand them to uh, coaches like yourself Mm. or PTs to help them get them to the next step so um, you know but it's not always the best business plan because you don't see no no, I mean you look at chiropractors that's a great business plan chiropractors yeah I mean not to rag on chiros all the time yeah exceptional ones Um, but growing up I used to go to many and they had this recurring model of Mm. I need to see you a few times a week yeah sign up for this you know two-year plan this is just you're, you're now in this process forever. Mm. And this is where it just becomes a very gray area. Of, yeah. They're probably not doing it maliciously, but the way that it's been taught um, in that system is where's the exit? Where's the out? Where's the, That's right. where's the self-sufficiency? That's right. Um, and it's kind of lacking. That's why I love giving care plans to people mm. and, and letting them know this is where you're at now. This is where we aim to get you in three weeks, six weeks or whatever, so that they can see sort of the plan. A lot of my listeners, they're really weird. They want to know what you do for your hair care routine. So walk us through. What do you do? <laughs> I get so many questions about that. And I it's, bet, it's yeah. honestly very unimpressive. Like yeah? One thing, my hair is not very well taken care of. <laughs> That's the one thing people need to realize. It's like, oh, yeah, it's actually just really horrible hair. <laughs> um, I use Katrina's um, hair Classic, stuff. Love it, yeah. Um, whatever it was. Um, I can't remember what brand it is, but... It works fine, I guess. Perfect. There's no schedule I have with cleaning it. Yeah. I just wait till I feel like <laughs> I can feel the grease seeping out of the hair. Where I'm like, I think I better wash it. Yeah. Um, I don't brush it regularly. I don't do anything to it regularly. I just just live my life. You yeah, know? man. Just do the scratch and sniff method. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Like sometimes I remember I've started brushing it a bit more regularly now, but we used to okay. find like bits of food in there and stuff like that. Like, yeah, oh, save it for later. Well, like when did you eat Cheetos? What's her name? Who is she? Yeah. Fuck, not again. <laughs> and I find it so funny. Like most guys would just use the same bar of soap that they used to wash their balls with for everything. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of like a, a big, one of those memes out there is, is women for whatever reason, probably a hormonal thing. They've got to spend a lot of time <laughs> that's it, yeah. doing upkeep because of how their hormones do change the renewal of cells and mm-hmm. the regeneration of things like that, like their hair. Um, but guys, we just don't have that <laughs> grow shit and it's fantastic that's amazing isn't it yeah so let's talk about your training how old were you when you started training yeah so i started when i was about 13 i think it Mm -hmm. was 13 14 i get the years kind of muddled up because um for the longest time when i was growing up at that kind of age i lied about my age Mm. um because i was um a year young not just like a year young back in school but like i was um there's a certain cutoff where you're allowed to let your kids enter school at a younger age somehow my parents got around that Great. And I was, so I was there in school and I'd be two years younger than some of the kids. Sure. Wow. So I was like, this is not good. I'm, I'm already a small Asian person who's yeah. very like diminutive and easy to get picked on. Um, but then I'm also two years older than some of these kids. 
And between the ages of like four till 15 or whatever, mm-hmm. they're very big developmental years. Mm-hmm. You know, two years now, 10 years now between you and me is not a big difference. That's like, right, who cares? Yeah. Like, we look the same, you know, it's good Asian genetics. That's right, man. Um, but you, you wouldn't necessarily tell. But when you're growing up, big deal. That's right. So, um, for whatever reason, I had a lot of shame associated with that. I was like, mm. you know what? I'm just going to start lying about my age. I'll mm-hmm. be like, yep, I am the same age as you know, the regular kids. I'll be like yeah. a year older. Yeah. So I used to forget how old I actually was. Sure. I actually went to the extent <laughs> where I, I lied on a few different applications where um, some um, inf- personal information of me on like actual official records back mm. in school have my age as a year older. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's... Let's dig it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fraud, fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eugene frauded yeah. his way through Clickbait. high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a, a big deal. So yeah, roughly 13, I think. Yep. 13, 14, I started exercising in general. Yeah. Um, like I would um, I would just yeah, train at home, mm-hmm. just do push-ups, do sit-ups. Yeah. I remember when, when YouTube came out around 2005, 2006, and one of the first videos I found on there was eight minute abs. Okay. So I'll do eight minute abs every Six day. Six pack shortcuts? Did you ever? He, he wasn't around back then. He oh. came on a couple of years later. Okay. But the first thing was eight minute abs. It was just yeah. this one um, recorded info, infomercial mm. type um, follow along class that used to air on TV, like okay. back in maybe the 80s or so. Sure. Somehow someone had found it and put it onto YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I used to do that and I loved it. And then I discovered eight minute arms. And eight minute buns. I think it was eight minute legs, eight minute buns. I can't remember. Um, but <laughs> Bun I found sounds those. better. Yeah. And it was just little like bodyweight aerobics kinds of things you do on the floor. Yeah. I'd love that. Because um, I was obsessed with doing that. And then, That's yeah, awesome. I had this one two kilo dumbbell I would lift at home um, for hours and just while I was just doing anything, doing <laughs> reading home, doing homework or reading books or whatever. I'd just yeah. be doing these, these little ones. Yeah. That's awesome. Because, um, yeah, I wasn't really allowed to go to the gym mm-hmm. at all until yep. um, I got to maybe about 15 or so okay. um, because then for school sport we had a, we had a really good gym at mm. the school and um, I had to put on weight because mm. I was doing rowing yep the school sport and I had to be a certain weight I had to be 57 kilos as a minimum sure and yep. I was 54 or 55 Ooh, kilos okay um, so I was yeah. like okay I've just got to put on some weight so and all the kids were going so it was accepted yeah so mum used to drop me off at school at like 5am mm-hmm. I would train do some dumb shit and then um, <laughs> eat ham and cheese toasties as post-workout yeah. <laughs> at the cafeteria and then go on to school yeah. um, but that's how i spent yeah most of my years in in high school mm-hmm. um and then after that i when i was out of high school i started going to a regular gym and i started learning what bodybuilding was yeah like all up until that time i had no idea what bodybuilding was because my whole thing was training for bodybuilding i guess yeah like to look better or to build muscle but it was performance muscle. it was like hey I'm, you're doing this for sport you've yep. got to improve your strength overall sure um and then I learned, oh, bodybuilding is a thing. I had no idea who any of these people were. Because um, I remember in my PT course, when I was learned, starting to be a PT, um, there was a bodybuilder there. And mm. she, I was like, you look crazy. And she's like, yeah, you should go check out. You go hang out with my boyfriend. He'll teach you how to bodybuild. And I was like, yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. And that was my first bodybuilding coach. And then that was it for for several years. I was just all in on bodybuilding. I'm like, I like the idea of this. Yeah. It's not because I sucked at sports. I sucked at anything performance related. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, I am. Um, I like the idea of um, it's n- you're not doing a competitive sport against mm-hmm. other people. It's more about yourself and trying to improve that and trying to like just look exceptional. Yeah. yeah. And then I kind of felt like I found my sport because structurally, as a small person, mm. it was very easy for me to look. Mm. a lot bigger than I was mm-hmm. um, just because of how the proportions work with bodybuilding. Sure. So like, this is great for me. Mm. So I was just doing all in on that for a long time. Um, and then I just started falling out of love with that, you know, yeah. uh, about 
seven years ago now, I think it is. I was like, you know, I'm kind of done this after about five or six years of competing. I was like, I'm sort of done over it. I've achieved what I wanted to in mm-hmm. that. Don't really like where it's going and um, I'm not enjoying the whole process. So I just stopped mm-hmm. and um, have ever since that point have been adrift where I'd, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a bodybuilder or a strength coach or a power lifter or anything like that. But I just dabble in all these different things yep. depending on what I'm interested in at the time. Like um, this year, I was doing a lot of calisthenics towards the start of the year, doing a lot of body weight work. Um, and now I'm doing a lot more conditioning based work sure. for yep. aerobic performance and just overall fitness. Mm. Um, I don't know what it'll look like in six months time. No yeah. idea. Just yeah. whatever intrigues me, whatever I want to, I want to see yeah. what I can push my body to be able to do. Sure. And that's the beauty about the body is, is that it adapts in the way that you stress it. Mm. So if you do one thing, it will adapt that way. And if you do another thing, it will adapt that way. Yeah. And and that's just so cool about the body. And these are the conversations I have with my clients every day. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and just seeing that change in their perception, you know, they might come and be like, oh, my doctor told me my back's, I've got an 80 year old's back from this MRI or something. Yeah. I hear that all the time. And it, yeah, it's, it ticks me off because there's so much deconstructing I have to do sure. in order to get them to be able to bend down and not fear their back exploding. Where does it come from? Like, obviously, they don't teach you that in physio school. They don't teach that in any physical therapy school mm. that I'm familiar with around the world. They don't say mm. that, oh, you've got your dad's back and this is why you're going to yeah. die. But when did they teach that to doctors or when did doctors get that? I, I'm actually, I'm genuinely not sure. Yeah, I think it could, it could be them trying to be funny them trying to make light of the situation and like just the patient itself uh, no the, the, doctor. the doctor being like oh right. you know your dad but they don't understand how damaging and how mm. much repercussion that can have with the patient right in that moment be like ha ha yes my back is like an 80 year old ha ha <laughs> but they go home and they, they mull over it they think about it they dream yeah, about it for sure you know they dream their back is being like an 80 year old and and quite quite naturally that's very fair mongering yeah and, absolutely and, and they're scared you know so I don't think anyone gets taught it. Right. Um, <laughs> well, there would be problems if uh, <laughs> sure. they were taught it. But yeah, it's quite interesting, eh? Yeah, cause, I mean, I come across it a lot from people. Mm. Um, not in your setting, obviously, because I'm not that physio or whatever. But mm. a lot of clients are like, hey, you know, I've got this back pain. And my doctor said, yeah. I can't do this. Or, you know, one of my ex-girlfriends, she was like, she had was told that she slipped her disc and mm. now it's pinching on a nerve and she can't deadlift anymore. She can't yep. bend. And that was several years yep. ago. <laughs> And she was now still very fearful. Yes. And every and you know, like by anything in terms of research, it's healed. That's right. If something did slip out of her spine, it didn't. But if it yes, did, exactly. it's healed. Yeah. So why are you having these experiences of very real pain and issues? Um, and it was yeah, as I said, it's something that they've ruminated over and almost created a heightened mm. not they haven't created a pain, but they've created sensitivity to it. Yeah. And that's what the issue is. Um, it's crazy. Hey everyone, it's Dan here. This concludes part one of my conversation with coach Eugene Teo. In the second part, we will chat about Eugene's recent pick tear, the scope of practice as a personal trainer, and what he finds most challenging about having such a big following on social media. Stay tuned guys, and make sure to head on over to the Flexing Physio Instagram to check out my content. See you next week.